Welcome to Betrayal Trauma Recovery, BTR.org. I'm Anne. I'm sure you remember what it was like when you were searching for help, maybe for your husband, hoping to find the right program or therapist. That's why I started podcasting. I supported my husband through seven years of pornography addiction recovery, and not one therapist during that time told me I was experiencing emotional and psychological abuse and sexual coercion. I didn't want any other woman on the planet to be in the dark. If you're like the majority of my listeners, you're experiencing the type of abuse that's invisible and difficult to wrap your head around. Your husband is using porn or having affairs or lying to you, and you're getting the same bad advice about how to improve communication or your relationship. If you need support from women who totally understand, check out our daily group session schedule at btr.org group. We'd love to see you in a session today. One simple anonymous way to help spread the word is to click, follow, or subscribe to the Betrayal Trauma Recovery Podcast on your favorite podcasting app. While you're there, every five-star rating helps make this podcast more visible and will help save other women from getting the wrong kind of help, like a couple program that will make this type of abuse worse. For those of you who follow or subscribe to this podcast, thank you so much. Your support means so much to me. Dr. Jessica Taylor is back on today's episode. If you haven't heard the past few episodes with her where we introduce her, go back, listen to those first, and then join us here. We are starting the conversation talking about male entitlement, exploitative privilege. James Clear, who wrote Atomic Habits, he had this quote in his weekly email blast And I thought it really related to this. He said, ambition is when you expect yourself to close the gap between what you have and what you want. And entitlement is when you expect others to close the gap between what you have and what you want. And I think that's kind of the heart of misogyny is that they want to be able to have a clean house or have children or all the things that men might want. And they expect women to close that gap. Instead of saying, if I want my toilet to be cleaned, or if I want my children to be cared for, or if I want this and this and this, I need to do that, right? I need to show up to the school and pick up my child. I need to give my child good medical care. They think, I want to be able to call the shots. I want to be able to to say, these are the things I want, but then I want someone else to do all the work. I want to be able to get what I want and not have to actually do the thing. So had that man been able to have his wife pick up and take their daughter and do whatever he said, he would have been happy to have his daughter stay with his ex, right? But because she wasn't doing what he wanted and they weren't acting the way that he wanted them to, then it was like, okay, well, then I'd rather hire a nanny. I would rather hire someone else to do this because he was not going to do it. If women listening are thinking, yeah, my husband wants me to be the stopgap in our quote unquote relationship, right? I'm the one that needs to apologize. I'm the one that needs to be compliant. I'm the one that needs to set up the things and plan the stuff and make sure everything goes smoothly. And, but he just gets to call the shots and doesn't have to do the work. That is a sign that the situation that you're in is an emotionally and psychologically abusive one because he's expecting other people to close that gap. It's such an interesting quote, isn't it? I I really like it. And I think that 
the sense of entitlement also comes from the misogynistic belief of men as individuals and also patriarchy as a culture that women are there to serve men they're there to have sex with men they're there to look after men they're there to care for every need of that man and that when you step out of line and it's a very specific stereotype you you have a very specific role as a woman in a patriarchy you know you're supposed to be desirable you're supposed to be attractive you're supposed to be you know, sexually available, but not too desirable, not too attractive, not too sexually available, because then you've like gone too far the other way into empowerment. And there's a term in psychology in some of the research around this, around sexualization of women called sexy, but not a slut. So it's like, you're supposed to be sexually available. You're also supposed to be sexually chaste. You're supposed to be everything that man wants you to be. If he wants you to be almost like virgin then that's what you are if he wants you to be easy that's what you are if he wants you to have sex with him every day that's what you are if he if he doesn't and he wants you to only behave in a certain way that's what you are that's that level of entitlement as well as that you are supposed to fulfill the role of the inferior woman at all times and you but and you're supposed to do what you're supposed to do and then that includes the being domesticated so it means cleaning for him and cooking for him and looking after his kids and being like the family referee the family secretary the you know the family like accountant some of these men are literally living lives where they do not know they're born <laughs> women are just doing everything for them because they are almost being made to do that they're expected to do that and it's the way that we've socialized these men and boys and women do that women socialize men and boys like that as well so mums are doing this it's not just dads where they're getting these messages they're getting it from their mums too they're getting it from wider society they're getting it from the media they're getting it from storybooks and fairy tales misogyny runs deep it's all the way through this issue and then we see it almost manifest in all of these different behaviors and experiences that women and girls are living through and like that sense of entitlement that you just talk about that I think it's a great way of explaining it this is really highlighted in the book the woman they could not silence by Kate Moore it is an incredible story of Elizabeth Packard who endured immense trials in the 1800s due to her husband putting her in an insane asylum. It is amazing. But what really struck me about her story and this the story of women being basically property for the majority of history until the late 1800s when they abolished coverture laws is that up until that point, this is like the late 1800s, women were property. They did not have rights. And so at least in America, the Emancipation Proclamation to Free Enslaved People was in 1863. And women in America are not emancipated from their husbands until the late 1800s, like 1890s. So 30 years after the Emancipation Proclamation is when women are granted freedom from their husbands, and they're not necessarily enslaved to their husbands. I think that historical fact is very, very important. Just like in, at least in America, everyone celebrates that emancipation date of enslaved people. Why are we also not celebrating, you know, 1891 when the state of Indiana passed a law ending coveture laws? 
because when a woman was married, she was not even entitled to her own wages. She was not entitled to her own children. When I use the word entitled, I mean, she actually, it was hers, right? She could not have her own wages. She could not have property, children, everything belonged to her husband. And then I'm also reminded of the, the biblical story of Jacob. And even in that biblical story, he works for seven years to purchase Leah. And then he works another seven years to purchase Rachel. The history of marriage as basically you own the woman, it's actually really early in our time. Like that was only the late 1890s where marriage kind of shifted from property to partnership. I think that's an important part of the story. Do you know, I was so interested listening to that because in the UK, that law didn't change until 1975 that you just what? explained. Yeah. Wait, the so, coverture laws? Well, it wasn't technically called that, but in up until 1975 in the UK, women were not allowed to get a mortgage or have their own bank accounts or there was discrimination that stopped them from getting things like their own credit card until oh, 1975. Yeah. Uh-huh. Same thing in the US with credit cards, yeah. Yeah, and then in 1995 or 1996, the law was officially changed so that a woman didn't have to perform what was known as wifely duties for the man in marriage. So if you were married to a man in the UK there is no way that you could be abused or raped by your husband because he owned you. So like you had to have sex with him when he, when he wanted, you know, there was, there was no way of reporting your husband for anything because you were his property. And it was 1995 or 1996 in the UK when that law changed. And it was only after the year in the mid nineties here that you could actually report Or even, you know, describe your husband as raping you or sexually abusing you. Because prior to that, it didn't exist. I was a kid then. So like, that's... Yeah, me too. You know what I mean? Wow. Yeah, I I don't understand why I'm all for social justice, right? And racial justice. And so happy that we celebrate the Emancipation Proclamation in 1863. But why are we not talking about this? Why, why is there not a, like Women's Liberation Day from night on night, you know, in the UK in 1993, when women were finally un- <laughs> liberated from slavery from their husbands? Like, that's crazy that there's not like a national holiday for that. I ask similar questions in that misogyny is the last form of oppressive discrimination that is literally ignored. So you know, there are, I think there's much bigger and more accepted movements around things like um, gay pride and around um, Black Lives Matter. But feminism, women's rights, is seen as a joke. It's seen as a a bunch of women, they're hysterical and emotional and they're moaning about everything and and making out that their rights are being rolled back. So it's it's so interesting the way that, that we have framed women as so inferior and unreliable for so long that there is no equivalent movement. There is no equivalent, you know, like you say, there isn't a day that marks how important that is that women were liberated from that form of abuse and that form of slavery, essentially, in their relationships. There is no day to mark that. There's there's no day to mark, isn't it brilliant, that in the 90s in the UK, we changed the law 
and it meant that men could not demand sex and intimacy uh, whenever they wanted. That's literally a sex slave. Yeah, I know. And there was there was just like, nothing you could do at all because it was part of the law that when you got married in the UK up until, as I say, like the mid nineties. It's part of the contract of marriage that you would give that man sex whenever he wanted it. Interestingly as well, that sort of change in the law there in the 90s in the UK is little known. Even professionals in this field, I'll often talk to people in the UK and they were like, really? Is that a, was it the 90s? Yeah, I didn't even know that was a thing. I didn't know that that was a law. I didn't know there was any change that was made. And it's just not spoken about it always makes me think about the fact that that means that as we were saying because this is only the 90s it was only you know like it's not a long time ago it's 30 years ago or like less than 30 years ago that means that there are women living right now that were in those marriages at that time they were married at that time they were under that law at that time that meant that they had to give sex and essentially they had no consent there was no consent was there because there's no need for consent if you are contracted by marriage to be required to have sex with a man well and you think about it historically too i i think this is why the perpetrators are getting smarter it's because five for five thousand years they've had these entitlements to sex household labor whatever right that women were made or created to serve them and now that that's not politically correct the actual genetics of it when i say that i just mean the historical traditions or you know the way they think has not actually caught up with it so instead of actually respecting women and actually seeing them as equals they're like huh okay well we have to maintain it somehow this power structure because it works for us but we cannot be so overt about it we have to be subtle we have to use the right words we have to act like we respect women while still maintaining the ability to exploit them that's why it's very difficult in 2023 when you have a professional husband who is educated and smart and wants to look good to his neighbors and wants to show up at church and look great or wants to show up at the community meeting and be the good guy, that they are going to talk and act a certain way so that they maintain their power. Because they're not going to maintain their power if they say, oh, women are just here to serve me. Everyone would look at them like, what? Like, that's not right. They're maintaining it in different ways than they have in the past. Yeah. And they're learning to disguise it. They're learning to make it sound more socially desirable and acceptable that, you know, those views and those values, they've not gone anywhere, that they're learning how to communicate them. And um, as you say, maintain their power and their control without outing themselves. And exactly. And I, I do want to say at the same time, I have met so many healthy men who are not this way. I know from their actions and the way they treat me and the way that I feel around them, like from my internal warning system, 
that I have actually more hope for men than I ever did before because I see the men who are healthy, who really do respect women. So that's not to say that this episode is all about how all men in the world are like this. I think that's another thing that hurts women is for women to think that all men are like this. And so if they do want to be married, for example, that they have to sort of settle for an abuser because there's no other option. There are healthy men out there. And the more we understand what this looks like and feels like, the more we'll be able to recognize and separate ourselves from men who are dangerous to us in emotional and psychological ways from men who are healthy and men who can be like a good partner or a friend or someone who is not going to harm us. It's hard on that is because not all men is used to derail these conversations for women. The whole like, I, yes, you I know, agree. not all men are like that. And they're like, yeah, I know I didn't say all men, did I? You know what I mean? Like you end up having to go back to people and go, but I didn't, I never said that. So absolutely. Like we're defending a point I did not make. <laughs> Absolutely. The only reason I bring that up is because I hear a lot of women saying, well, I want to be married, for example. And since there's never going to be a man out there that is going to be completely respectful of me, I'm going to stay married to this man. So that's why I say that, but not to say it's not a huge problem. There's obviously, there's amazing men out there. There are, like, I mean, some of the people in my life that are my biggest supporters who have been there for me through things and, and have have just helped me so much have, have been men. I, I've still like, you know, got guys in my life right now that have elevated me, listened to me throughout my whole career, everything that I've done. They've been the one at the back going, keep going. You're amazing. You've got this. Like I, I believe in everything that you're doing and like they've listened and they've opened doors and they've, all sorts of things. And they've, and they've never ever made me feel uncomfortable. And I know 100% that is a safe guy. I know that I can feel it. Same as you. So like it's, th- these guys are, are out there. They are, but like, I think that for some women, the fear of being alone and living a single life terrifies them so much that they're always thinking you know if if oh god if I leave this guy how am I going to find someone else and actually the first thing that needs to happen is you need to be safe and and well on your own alone yes yeah well I think the idea that you have to have a man or something is also a misogynistic idea absolutely it is and it means that you're always scared of living life alone and there's nothing wrong with that and I know loads of women that have been through long abusive hard marriages and then you know they get into 50 and 60 and going do you know what what am I doing I'm wasting years here I'm miserable I don't need to do this I could be out there on my own and it terrifies them but at some point, something happens and they say, do you know what? Being on my own has got to be better than this. It's got to be healthier yes. than this. Um, and, and you know, it's a big leap. It's a big, scary jump. And I know that I had to make that, but I was I was much younger. I was 28. I remember that. I remember having, I remember lying in bed and thinking, even if you are on your own for years and years and years, or even for the rest of your life, it has to be better than living in this. You cannot stay in this. This is awful. This is destroying you. And 
you know, I meet women all the time that are going through that same thought process. But you're right. Then it comes down to, but what if I don't find anyone? But what if all men are dangerous? And what if I find another perp and then another perp and then another perp? And the thing is, that can happen. I think the message I would want to get across there is that that has got nothing to do with you. That is not your fault. That is statistically is just very likely because there are so many abusive men, there are, that you are very likely to then meet another guy even if you meet him for like one date and he turns out to be an absolute horrible, horrible person, you could meet him literally for two hours. Or it's a guy that you get into a serious relationship with and you've been together for a few months or a few years and then you realise, oh no, I am back in abuse. How has this happened? This guy's got total control over me. How has this happened to me again? It doesn't matter. It's so common that you are likely to be surrounded by perpetrators. And it does mean... That I think the fears of women who are thinking, but what if I never find a safe man to have a life with? I think they're valid fears, aren't they? I I agree. I am not dating and I don't want to date and I don't want a partner necessarily. I mean, if somebody came along, that would be fine. But my thinking, what if I can't find a healthy man is not even in my brain. Because I don't care. If I never have sex again, that's fine. Right? I'm okay with that. There's nothing I need a man for. There's no worry in my mind or in my heart that I, quote unquote, won't be able to find a healthy man. If I don't find one, great. I'm fine. I'm happy. I love being a mom. My kids are amazing. I love my career. I have really good friends. And I don't mind so much romance, you know, it actually kind of like even just saying the word romance gives me the like a little bit. It's like (laughs) a little bit creepy for me. Um, I'm just not really that interested in it. I would be interested in a partner if that person kind of came my way. But I do think women put themselves in danger when they think it's a need. When they think it's something that if they don't get it, they're going to be somehow like missing out because you can have a beautiful, wonderful life with amazing relationships with people that are intimate and and maybe not sexually per se, but like, you know, my relationship with my kids is beautiful and my sister and my friends. And I really appreciate that. And if, if I can meet all of my other needs through friends and work and other things, then my life is so fulfilled. So I just don't want any woman out there thinking I need a man or I'm not going to be able to find one. You don't need to find one. You can stand on your own two feet and you can meet your own needs. And you can also meet other people because you do need people. You do need friends. You do need relationships, but you don't necessarily need a sexual partner with a man finding a a healthy partner to have sex with is so overwhelming and so like that just seems impossible but that's why I'm like yeah I'm not gonna worry about that (laughs) think about that yeah I'm not surprised at all this conversation has been amazing Dr. Taylor has three books they're all available on Amazon check them out The one you may be most interested in, listeners, is called the Indicative Trauma Impact Manual, which may help you figure out yourself as 
you are responding to the abuse that you may be currently experiencing. And that might help you reframe or understand your responses to abuse rather than thinking that it somehow has something to do with you or that you've caused it. So that is the Indicative Trauma Impact Manual. That'll be available on our books page, btr.org slash books. If you click on it, it'll just take you right to Amazon. And then her other two books, which are also available on our books page and on Amazon, are Why Women Are Blamed for Everything and Sexy But Psycho. And her website is victimfocus.com. Dr. Taylor, thank you so much for spending so much time talking with us. We really appreciate your time. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me and for listening. And yeah, it's been awesome. So thank you. And I'll talk to you again. If this podcast is helpful to you, please help us reach other women by following or subscribing and giving us a five-star rating. Thank you for helping other women find us. If you've already purchased a copy of my book, Trauma Mama, Husband Drama, please circle back and give it a five-star rating. A lot of women are searching for books about betrayal trauma on Amazon and rating Trauma Mama will help them find this podcast, which is free to everyone. Your donations keep this podcast going. Go to our website, btr.org, scroll to the bottom, click on support the BTR podcast. And until next week, stay safe out there 